How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Say amen. I have a word from you. For, I have a word for you from the Lord this morning. I have a word for you from the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning about freedom. Freedom. I'm talking about the brave heart kind of freedom. I want to talk to you about true freedom this morning, about being free. How many want to be free? How many want to be free? I mean, freedom is something that is woven into the very fabric of our culture. Freedom. We hate bondage. We want to be free. And we buck against anything that would take away our freedom, don't we? We want to be free. Our hearts cry out for justice. Our hearts cry out for freedom. And and I want to talk to you about a man in Scripture that was so free that nothing could bind him. So free that there were, there were no chains that could bind him. Nothing could bring him into bondage. This man was immune to bondage. I mean, he was impervious. They tried chaining him, but he, he broke the chains. And they tried putting him in shackles, and it says he broke the shackles to pieces. When they tried putting him in jail, he broke the bars. They tried holding him under guard, but he broke free, and he ran off. I mean, this man would not be bound. How many want to be free like that? I mean, I want to be so free that no chains can hold me, no bonds can hold me, no shackles can hold me, no prison doors can hold me. This man was free. And he was free like that before he met Jesus. And Jesus encountered this man in Mark chapter 5. The scripture says that, that Jesus came to the region of the Gadarenes. And the first person that he encountered with it was this free man. The man was so free that everybody was scared of him. And how do I know that? It says that Jesus and his disciples crossed the lake and came to the region of the Gadarenes, but only Jesus got out of the boat. <laughs> they said, no, this free man is here. We, we, we're, you know, people are scared of freedom. People are scared to death of someone who cannot be bound. But Jesus says, I want to meet this free man. I want to find out. I want to learn more about the freedom that this man walks in. I've heard of the freedom that this man walks in. He breaks chains. He breaks shackles. No one could bind him. And he steps out of the boat and he encounters this free man. And the Bible tells us a few things about his freedom. It says, number one, that he lived among the tombs. He didn't live in a house. He lived among the tombs. He was free, but the way he manifested that freedom was by living in the midst of dead things. He lived in the presence of death. He, 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 he was free, but he was so free that he couldn't live among the living because he was afraid if I hang out with people who are alive, they might bring me into some kind of bondage. The only place I know I can really express my freedom is among dead things. Isn't it funny that, that people, when they're striving to be free and to live free, the way in which they, we typically manifest our freedom is by participating in dead things? says he lived among the graves, among the tombs. says he, he wore no clothes. He ran around butt naked. He didn't even want to be restricted and confined by clothing. You put a belt around my waist and it's tight. It's too restricting. Get this belt off. My pants are still too restricting. I got to get out of these pants and this shirt, these buttons, they're holding me back. He's got to break out of the, the shirt and the pants and the drawers. My drawers are too restricting. My, my, my socks, I don't want the restriction of shoes on my feet. I want to be free. And he was free. He ran around free, but naked free. 
Now that's some freedom. And you can run around butt naked when you don't live around any people. I mean, he just lived among the graves. Wore no clothes. Says all he would do is cry out. Just screaming. Just running around screaming. He was so free. You ever want to scream sometimes, but there's people around? You know what I'm talking about? You see, when you live in isolation and there's no people around, you can scream all you want. If you're mad, you can scream. He was free to say whatever he wanted to say. If it was in his mouth, it came out of his mouth. If it was in his mind, it came out of his mouth. He was so free. You ever feel like there's some things you want to say, but you're restricted. You're bound up. I can't say, ooh, if I could say to her what I want to say to her. You ever think to yourself, one day when I get to that age, you know what I'm talking about, that age where you can just say whatever you feel like saying? My grandmother hit that age and she just started talking crazy. It was so embarrassing. We'd be in public. She'd be like, Look at that big old fat man over there. And he'd be about 10 feet away. He's in earshot. He heard the whole thing. Like, Mama, Mama, come on. No, see that big old fat man? That's a shame and a disgrace. He's too fat. Like, Mama, calm down. Calm down. He said, When I hit that age, I'm just going to say whatever's in my mind. This man wasn't waiting for that age. He says, just whatever's in my heart, whatever's in my, I'm just going to say it. And he was screaming, just butt naked, screaming and running around the graves. He was free. So free that no one could stop him. Says he was cutting himself with stones, just cutting himself, cutting him, running around, butt naked, running around the graves, screaming and cutting himself with stones. That sounds real free, doesn't it? He was so free, man, this man could not be bound. He was free. Nobody could restrain him. Nobody could tell him not to do something if he wanted to do it. Nobody could tell him to stop and he would stop. He couldn't be restrained. It said the Luke's version of the story in Luke chapter 8 verses 32 and following tells us that they kept him under guard night and day. But he broke free and ran out, ran away, ran into the tombs. They kept him under guard. And all of a sudden, when we see the way he's behaving, we realize that the reason they were trying to restrain him was not to restrain him and restrict him for no reason, but to keep him from killing himself. The man was hurting himself and the freedom he sought was the freedom to keep hurting himself. And as soon as somebody tells him to stop doing that, which was destroying him, he'd say, stop trying to control me. I'm free. I can't be restricted. I can't be restrained. I can't be held back. I'm free to do me. I'm just trying to do me. Come on, somebody. You ever just feel like I just want to do me. I just want to do me. If you don't like me, then do you. Ain't nobody trying to stop you from doing you, but you stop trying to stop me from doing me. Isn't it funny that the two primary aspects of relationship are accountability and support. Everybody wants support, but don't nobody want accountability. If I need some money, help a brother out. Let a brother hold $5 until Tuesday. Come on, somebody support me. Support. And I'm hurt if I needed support, but you weren't there. But don't you dare try to hold me accountable for my actions. Just give me money. Don't ask me for my budget. 
Don't tell me that something I'm doing is wrong. Don't hold me accountable for the way I'm living my life. Don't try to restrain me. Listen, sometimes the most powerful way you can show love to somebody is by restraining them. I have a friend who was dying of a drug overdose and one of his friends saw him in the backseat of the car convulsing, knew he was overdosing of drugs and opened the backseat, pulled him out of the car and punched him in the stomach as hard as he can. And he started vomiting and all those drugs came out. He saved his life by socking him in the gut. Sometimes the only way to show love to your friend is by punching him in the stomach as hard as you possibly can. Why? Because you've ingested some poison that's going to kill you. If I, don't, if I don't hit you in the stomach and get it out of your system, it's going to kill you. And so the way I show love is by socking you in the stomach as hard as I possibly can. Sometimes that's the most loving thing you can do. When your friend is drunk but he's stumbling towards his car, the most loving thing you can do is take the keys. Sometimes we need to be restrained. But there's a demonic type of freedom that says, don't let anyone restrain you. Don't let anyone restrict you. This man, it said no one could tame him. No one can tame him. That word tame means he was acting like an animal. You ever seen domesticated lions at the zoo? Aren't they just pathetic? No, I mean, they just just laying there. You go to the zoo, when I see a lion, I want to see him walking around. You know, don't you just want to see him roar? Lions at the zoo don't roar. They just lay there, look up. Am I really a lion? It's been so long since I killed something. Man, I wish one of them people would just climb over the wall. I just long to feel like a lion again. But it said no one could, could, could tame him. They couldn't tame him. I mean, he was roaring. And if you saw him in the zoo, he'd be roaring and kicking against the gates and, and kicking against the walls trying to kill something. Couldn't tame him. Couldn't calm him down. Jesus says, I got to meet this freedom. And, the, and Jesus, when Jesus encounters this man, when he comes into the region of the Gadarenes, what we see is a collision of two types of freedom. Two types of freedom meet. Let me tell you something. Jesus and Satan want the same thing for your life. Freedom. But they have two different definitions of what freedom is. Satan wants to free you. Did you know that? He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free to do whatever you want to do when you want to do it and how you want to do it. He wants you to be free to do you. And Satan will constantly tell you, you don't need God. You don't need God telling you what to do. God wants to restrict you. He wants to bring you into bondage. He wants to bring you. He wants to put you under commandments. Do you know what the slogan of the satanic church is? Do as thou wilt. That's the slogan of Satan. Do as thou wilt. Do what you want to do. Obey your thirst, saith Sprite. Put a can in your hand and pop the top. You remember that crisscross Sprite commercial back in the day? <laughs> do what you want to do. Jesus says, I want to meet this man and find out the power that enables him to do what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. 
And as soon as Jesus comes into the region, the presence of Jesus comes, the man runs out of the tomb and runs straight to Jesus and falls on his knees and starts begging Jesus not to torment him. Isn't it interesting that when you're walking in that kind of freedom, you feel free until the very moment that you encounter the presence of Jesus. That's why folks who are living in sin hate coming to church. He said, don't torment us. It feels like torment to be in the presence of the Lord when you're trying to live the way you want to live. It feels like torment. You know what that torment is? It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says you're not living right. You're not doing right. And he said, why are you here? Have you come to torment us before the time? Don't torment us. If being in the presence of God feels like torment to you, it means you're in bondage. Jesus says, what is your name? He says, I want to know the source of your freedom. Who freed you like this? Who gave you this kind of freedom? What is your name? And the demon spoke right through this man and said, Legion, for we are many. All of a sudden, we recognize that this man is actually not free to do what he wants to do. He's free to do what Satan wants him to do. He really does not want to cut himself. Satan wants him to cut himself. And Satan convinced him to break free of all forms of restraint, of all rules, of all regulations, of anything that would try to tell him what to do. Why? So that he could be free to be fully bound by the devil. Taken captive by Satan to do his will. The fact of the matter is, what the story of this Gennesaret demoniac teaches us is that there is no such thing as complete and total human freedom. You are never free of any spiritual influence. Either you will do the will of God or you will do the will of Satan. There's no such thing as your own will. Your will will either be brought into conformity to do the will of God or your will will be brought into conformity to do Satan's bidding. You are living in deception if you think you're doing you. You're either doing him or you're doing him. Nobody wants to run around butt naked. Cutting himself and crying out. Who wants, how many here just wake up in the morning thinking, man, I would love to live among the tombs. Man, I just want to go to the graveyard and sleep there naked with sharp stones cutting myself and screaming, acting a fool. That's nonsense. You're not free. You look at the kind of bondage people are in in the world, but they claim to be free. The scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You are not free. Jesus said, whom the son sets free, he is free indeed. There's only one kind of real and true freedom, and it is the freedom of Jesus Christ. Do you know, we look at this man, and he seems to be really demon-possessed, right? We think, man, I'm glad I'm not that bad. You know, I mean, I got hope. You know, I might have some stuff in my life, but I'm not that bad. Can I suggest to you that there's some folks in this room, and I'm not going to look at nobody because I don't want anybody saying, oh, he was talking about me. There's some folks in this room that are worse off than that man. Because at least when the presence of Jesus came, that man came and fell on his knees before Jesus and submitted. 
you come right into the presence of Jesus and keep cutting yourself with stones. Nobody in that region could restrain the man, but Jesus could. Not even Jesus can restrain some of you. I mean, this man's demons, they cried out in the presence of Jesus and said, please don't torment us. This man's demons sensed Jesus coming into the region and ran and fell at his feet. You come into the house of God and the presence of Jesus is here, but it doesn't mean anything to you. I'm going to come to church, I'm going to clap, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to go back home to my legion. And do what I want, when I want, how I want. It's a great deception when you look at bondage and it looks like freedom. If you look back on your sinning days with nostalgia, that's bondage. If you look back on your sinning days and you remember opportunities you had that you didn't capitalize on and you lament, man, I should have done that while I was out there. That's bondage. I hear some folks' testimonies about their sinning days and they actually don't sound like they're glad the Lord brought them out of it. They make it sound so great. I've heard gangbangers testify, man, I used to cap people and kill people and stab people. And the way they, they talk, it's like, and it was so fun. And thank the Lord I'm in church now. <laughs> you look like you look at bondage. And it looks like freedom. Man, I'm a believer now, but I should have slept with that girl when I had the chance. The Lord would have forgiven me because now I'm a believer. You look at bondage and it looks like freedom. That is deception. When Satan can walk in and and cause you to look at bondage and say, no, this is freedom. This is freedom. He comes into that prison cell and dresses it up and puts little flowers in it. You know, puts a little flower pot. This is not a prison cell. This is a pleasure palace. And you are deceived when you look at freedom and it looks like bondage. It looks, you look at freedom and it looks like bondage. I don't want to go to church. How come? Shoot, because then I become a Christian and they expect me to go to church every Sunday. And then if I don't show up, somebody's calling me saying, what's wrong? I have to go to church. If you think you have to go to church, that's bondage. You get to. Did anybody catch that? I have never felt that I have to go to church. Never. I get to. I want to. There's someone inside of me that says, I got to get into fellowship with God's people. I got to get in the room with a bunch of worshipers who love the presence of God. It is not an obligation. If you think it's an obligation, you're in bondage. Satan has deceived you. Oh, now they expect me to pray. I got to spend time praying every day now. Now they're going to try to tell me I got to take time out of my busy schedule to pray. Get into my Bible. If you think about prayer and there's resistance in your heart, something that pulls you back and says, eh, that's bondage. That's bondage. Do you know what the sign of freedom is? 
Moses, go stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go that they may worship me. You know how I know you're in bondage? Because you can't worship the Lord. The worship of God is happening and people are rejoicing, but you're just kind of sitting there like a bump on a log. You can't sing. And don't get me wrong. Worship is not just singing and clapping and shouting. There's folks all around you singing and shouting and clapping, but aren't worshiping anything or anyone. Worship is about the surrender of your all to God. If you're singing but not surrendering, you ain't worshiping. But the mark of freedom is when you're free to worship. Let my people go that they may worship me, that they might be free to worship me. God said, I want to get all of Egypt out of you so that there's nothing to hinder your worship. If you're still in Egypt, there's something that hinders your worship. If you're not living a lifestyle of worship, there's still some Egypt in you. Here's the problem. The problem is we want freedom, but we want freedom from the wrong things. We want freedom from the trial. Moses shows up in Egypt and says, let my people go that they may worship me. And the first thing that happens is it gets worse for them. Pharaoh says, heck to the no. Increases their quota of bricks and takes away their straw. And now the people of Israel are saying, what are you messing with us for, Moses? You made it harder on us. What are you doing? Nobody asked you to try to set us free. We were just fine in Egypt before you came along. We were free. Shoot, we, got to, we get to eat all of the vegetables that we want. Remember, they're out in the wilderness and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And what do they say? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us here in the desert with thirst? At least when we were in Egypt, we got to fill our stomachs with all the vegetables we want. God set them free from Egypt, from slavery. Yeah, but you were in slavery. You had to make bricks for Satan. Yeah, but I got to eat them vegetables. I told you vegetarianism was a demonic spirit. That's not even biblical. All you get to eat is vegetables. That's Egypt. Come on, somebody. Go to the promised land, get you some prime rib. Jesus declared all foods clean. I'll eat me some swine in a second. Give me a ham sandwich. Mm. they said take us back to Egypt so we can get those vegetables we'll make bricks for Pharaoh for the rest of our lives just give us those vegetables we want to be free from the trial take us out of the trial God wants you to be free from sin God wants you to be free from deception and actually he custom crafts the trial so that he can promote you to a higher level of glory. He wants to take you to a higher dimension of glory. God isn't setting you free from the trial. He's setting you free from deception and sin and every attack of the devil. He wants to bring you out of bondage. And here's the sign that you're free. I love this. At the end of the story, Jesus casts the demons out of the man. And the first thing he does is put on some clothes. That's pretty good, huh? It's kind of like the opposite of Adam and Eve. They were naked and unashamed. They fell into sin and they put on some clothes. This man was naked, but but it wasn't that kind of nakedness. It wasn't an unashamed nakedness. It was a nakedness of shame. And when he got free, the first thing he did was put on some clothes. Watch this. The town people heard what Jesus did and they ran out to meet him. 
And when they saw the man clothed and in his right mind, they were greatly afraid. Remember, people are afraid of freedom. But in this region, it was reversed. Nobody was scared when he was running among the tombs, cutting himself and acting like a fool. But when he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, they're afraid. Why? Because Jesus exhibits such a high level of authority, they were afraid he was going to bring them into bondage. And it says they feared. You know, people fear when they come into the presence of Jesus. And what are you afraid of? You're afraid of what he's going to take away from you. People are constantly fearing in the presence of Jesus. He's going to take stuff away from me. If I come to Jesus, he's going to take away my freedom to smoke and drink and, 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 and you know, holler. They begged him to leave their region. Please go away. Isn't that what the demon-possessed man said? Don't torture us. Don't torment us. Now the people who supposedly are free, who were trying to restrain this man, are crying out, please leave our region. Don't torment us. Do you know when, you're try- when you are in bondage, being in the presence of God feels like torment? You know, people have said to me that the presence of God is thicker in the front here than it is at the back. I heard a young lady testified. She said, you know, when I'm really hungry for God, I sit in the first three rows and I get this really powerful, intense, you know, the presence of God just comes really intensely and I feel it. I feel it. But sometimes it gets overpowering. So I go to the back. The back is where the lukewarm heck of fake people sit. Not y'all. <laughs> but I mean, in other services. Do you know what our mission statement is to provide the most powerful encounter with God imaginable through word, worship and fellowship to people from all walks of life to provide the most powerful encounter with God imaginable. Our mission is to host the most powerfully intense manifestation of the presence of God available on earth. I want people around the world to say, you want to encounter God, go to living hope. You got to go to living hope. If you want to, you want to feel the presence of God, you're an atheist, just go to living hope. Walk in the door. My vision, my dream is that the power of God would manifest so intensely that people would walk in the door an atheist. And as soon as they step over the flesh, the threshold, they would fall on their face and go, God is in this place. I want the presence of God. But my first prayer is that God would do away with the geographical distinctions. That he would meet folks at the back just as powerfully as he meets folks at the front. Will you all pray with I need I need some real spirit-filled folk in the, in the house to pray that with me. To go home and really pray that. And to come to Sunday shift. You know, that's why we do Sunday shift 30 minutes before each service. 30 minutes before each service. We come to fill the atmosphere with the presence of God. We come to host the presence and power of God. If you're really on fire for the Lord and you're part of the fellowship of the burning heart, I want you to come to Sunday shift and really pray that the presence of God would just fill this house and fill the atmosphere. Uh, 8.30 before first service if you're coming to first service and 10.45 before second service if you come to second service. I want us to pray that the presence of God would fill the house so that people... Listen, what I want is that God would take no prisoners. That no one would be able to escape the presence of Jesus. And that you have a choice when you come into the presence of Jesus. Either you can be like the demoniac who fell on his knees and allow Jesus to set him free. Or you'd be like the townspeople who ask him to leave their region. 
but you cannot remain passive in the presence of Jesus. You got to deal with his presence. You either have to embrace him or reject him and ask him to leave. And that's your choice. But you're simply choosing that you're either going to serve Jesus or you're going to serve Satan. Amen. He's clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And isn't it funny that the people of the town, they wanted to restrain him from hurting himself. And the only thing they could do was give him chains. But Jesus restrained him without any chains. Jesus was able to restrain this man, but he didn't put any chains on him. He didn't put any shackles on him. He didn't put him in a prison cell. You know how he said, you know how he restrained the man? He restrained him with his words. The words of Jesus are able to restrain you. And he did so by removing from the inside of this man, everything that was driving him to destroy himself. You know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to remove from your heart and mind every demonic desire that drives you to destroy yourself. And anything that drives you to destroy yourself is demonic. Make no mistake. It is the devil. If there is anything in you that is driving you to destroy yourself by your own desire, you're desiring it, but you know it's destroying you. It is the devil. It is demonic. It is not freedom. It is bondage. Jesus wants to set you free. You know how he set this man free? He spoke to everything on the inside of him and said, go. Go. And at the end, he's clothed and in his right mind. He didn't need any chains. He didn't need to be restrained because he was restrained by the words of Jesus. You know, rules are not a bad thing. You know why we set up rules? To keep you from cutting yourself and killing yourself? Some of you here can't be restrained. Nobody can restrain you. Nobody can tell you to stop and you'll stop. Nobody nobody can tell you to go and you'll go. Nobody can tell you to do and you'll do. No one can restrain you. No one can tame you. Even if you comply, you fight it. You fight it. You're not like the lion that's laying there. I'm not fighting it anymore. I embrace it. I'm in captivity. You're untamed. You're fighting, 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 fighting. You're fighting against that that seeks to bring you into freedom. We set up some rules, some regulations. They're only there to keep you from killing yourself. But you know what the goal is? That the words of Jesus would come with such power that the rules would become irrelevant. Because I do it not because it's of, of a rule. I don't go to church because it's a rule. I don't pray because there's a rule. I don't open my Bible because there's a rule. I do it because I love the presence of Jesus. And what we're trying to build is the fellowship of the burning heart. The fellowship of the burning heart is the fellowship of those who love the presence of Jesus. What we should experience when we come together is the fellowship of the burning heart. And if any two of you run into each other on the street or in the mall, the first thing that should come to your mouth is something about what God is doing in your life and what God has spoken to you and your hearts should burn within you. You know, when we build the fellowship of the burning heart, we won't even be conscious of any rules or any regulations because our hearts burn to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. You want to know how spiritually mature you are? 
If God was to pick you up and drop you in a nation where there's not one other believer, would you become an unbeliever? Or would the people around you become believers? Would you conform to what's around you? John was on the island of Patmos as a prisoner of the Lord. A prisoner because of the, of the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was sentenced to spend the rest of his life on that island in captivity. And he was the only believer there. Sounds like a good excuse for not going to church, right? I'm in prison. You read the book of Revelation chapter 1 verses 9 and following. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You need to understand the significance of that. The Lord's day is Sunday. The early church began to worship on Sunday, even though the Jewish calendar says that Saturday, the Sabbath, is the time of worship. They worshiped on Sunday because Jesus arose again from the dead on Sunday morning. And so the early church began to celebrate the resurrection every single Sunday. You know, every Sunday was Easter Sunday for the early church. It was, it's a one-week anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to celebrate. Can you imagine being in the, in the early church? Man, four weeks ago, Jesus rose again from the dead. We're celebrating. It's Sunday. Come on. It's resurrection day. This is now John. It's in the 90s, about 92 AD, about 60 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's still celebrating on Sunday. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I looked around me and I was the only believer there. And he said, I guess I'm the church. And so he said, I'm not making an excuse. I'm going into the presence of God right now. Listen, when you're on vacation and you don't go to church, okay. But do you at least gather your family and worship together? Do you get in the word yourself? Is church who you are or what you do? One of the greatest problems with modern Christianity is that Christians have ceased to be Christian. They let the institutional church do it for them. So instead of a praying people, we have prayer meetings. And I only pray at the prayer meeting. Instead of an evangelistic people, we have evangelistic meetings. And I just invite people to the evangelistic meeting and say I've evangelized. Instead of having a discipling people, we have discipleship programs. And if I go to the program, what do you do outside of the meeting? What do you do outside of the service? What do you do outside of the, of the program? That is the mark of your Christianity. How much of a Christian are you when there's no institution around it? How much of a Christian are you at home? If you only do it with the institution, you still need the shackles and chains. But if you do it because it's who you are, because Jesus is on the inside of you, if you can be clothed and in your right mind at the feet of Jesus when there's no chain on you, when there's no rule or regulation to demand that you do it, now you become a real Christian. You become a Christian from your heart. Now on the inside of you, if there's an internal locus of control, you say, I do this, I serve God, I worship Him, I pray, I read my Bible, I I memorize it, I meditate on it, I serve God's people, I serve His work, I serve his church not because i have to not because there's a rule that says every member should serve a ministry but because my heart is burning with the presence of god and the power of god i live to worship you that's what we're after is true freedom true freedom that comes through the fellowship of the burning heart the fell i want your hearts to burn with the presence of jesus christ i want you to never be lacking in zeal but to keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord but you know how it starts Sometimes the greatest mark of your freedom is that you're able to be restrained. Sometimes the greatest mark of your freedom is that somebody can tell you stop that and you stop it. That somebody can tell you that's foolishness and you forsake it and live. Somebody could tell you sit down and you sit down. I can't tell you how many times my spiritual father has done that for me. Benjamin, you need to stop this foolishness right now. You need to come out of this nonsense. 
If I can be restrained, that's the first sign that I've come and bowed before the feet of Jesus. At the end of the day, when I become mature, I'm not going to need to be restrained anymore by an external source. My shepherd will always carry the rod and the staff, but he'll look at me one day and say, I haven't had to use these on you in so long. It's funny, I haven't, had, I haven't heard the word foolishness in so long. All I hear is, yes, son. I don't hear no son. You know why? Because I'm allowing my heart to be constrained by the presence of Jesus. Are you willing to be clothed and in your right mind and seated at the feet of Jesus? You know what? The end of it, the man says, Jesus, let me go with you. Let me follow you. Let me go with you wherever you go. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, no. Go back home. I need you to understand the significance of that. Go back home. Go to the place where you found yourself in bondage in the first place. If he just set you free from alcohol, he's saying, go back to the bar. But go there to proclaim what Jesus did for you. Oh, everybody got scared when I said that. You know why? Because you don't believe you can go back to that place and stay free. Some of you are trying to stay away from your family because you've been in so much bondage there. You're afraid if you go back, you're going to go back to that kind of bondage. Some of you are trying to avoid the community that you used to get into trouble with. And 20 years later, you still don't feel strong enough or mature enough to go back and talk to those people about Jesus. Listen, Jesus is taking you to such a place of strength and such a place of power and such a place of authority where there's no longer any fear of being brought back into bondage. Jesus said to this man, I just delivered you from legions of demons, but I'm saying to you that I've also made you so strong that they will never, ever again touch your life. You will never be bound in that way again. You need to stop thinking that it's possible for you to go back. You need to stop looking back on your old life with fear. I never want to go back to my old life. Why do you think it's possible for you to go back to your old life? That's who you were. That's not who you are. We need to get a new mentality in our mind. Instead of praying, oh God, keep me. Begin to declare he is keeping me from falling. And he's presenting me blameless before his glorious presence. Without fault and with great joy. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We need to begin to declare, I'm free indeed. I'm free indeed. I'm free indeed. And I don't have to fear bondage anymore. Are you hearing me this morning? Hallelujah. I believe for true freedom today. I believe for true freedom today, true freedom. Right now, I declare that God is breaking you free of that deception that tells you that freedom is bondage. You're going to look at freedom and it's going to look like freedom now. And you're going to look at bondage and it's going to look at, look like bondage now. When the Lord seeks to restrain you and you feel restrained and restricted, I remove that lie from your mind. You're going to feel free. You're going to feel free. A couple weeks ago, my wife preached on freedom through restraint. There's a freedom in being restrained by the Lord. That's why Paul called himself a bond slave of Christ. He's, it's not the way we think of slavery. Slavery is about restriction and restraint. But, but Paul says there is no greater freedom than being a slave of Christ. I am completely and totally owned by Jesus Christ. He owns me and there's no greater freedom than being his slave. I'm telling you that the only place of freedom is complete and total belonging to Jesus. Belonging to Jesus in your heart. 
belonging to him in your mind and belonging to him in your soul. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That your spirit would fall heavy on this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak to us by the power of your word. Speak to our hearts. Cause us to see. Cause us to see. Remove every power of deception. Remove every power of fear. Everything that would hinder our worship. Everything that stands in the way of our worship. Our surrender. Some of us have been running because we're so afraid of being restricted. I've been hearing so much. You're, you're, you're trying to control me. You're trying to control me. I just rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. God is not trying to control you. He's trying to free you. And anything, anytime the Lord tries to restrain you, it's to keep you from hurting yourself. Don't you see that what you're doing is cutting yourself? Don't you see that you've been living among the tombs? Don't you see that you've been crying out? Don't you see that in the very place where you think you're free, you're actually lost and you're bound? When you truly come to Jesus, you stop fearing control. When you really come to Jesus, you stop fearing manipulation. Because you recognize that when you are in Christ, the only thing that controls you is the Holy Spirit. I can't be controlled. Even if you tried to control me, you couldn't. I can't be manipulated. I'm under the hand of Jesus Christ. I'm under his freedom. Right now, I just remove... Many of you here today, you've been spiritually abused. And you've been walking in that fear of control because of some spiritual abuse that happened to you. But I'm saying you've walked with that fear for long enough and I remove it from your heart and mind. In the name of Jesus, that fear has to go. It's got to go right now. It's got to go right now. It's got to go. Come on, just command it to leave you right now. Just command it to leave right now. I say it's got to go. And I release you into freedom. And I come against that passivity that does not respond to the presence of Jesus. Lord, I pray that your presence would go all the way to the back row. I pray that every heart would be gripped by your presence. Father, I ask you to take no prisoners today. Let no one escape. Let no one escape your presence. God, we must respond to your presence, either by embracing it or rejecting it, but we cannot remain passive in the house of the Lord. We will not remain passive in the house of the Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes. Father, grip every heart and grip every soul. Let the power of the Holy Spirit fall on this house. Let your presence be felt by everyone, God. Intensify your presence. 
God, we want the most powerful encounter with God imaginable. I pray it in the name of Jesus. 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 Set us free right now. I pray for true freedom. Come on, stand up on your feet and open your mouth and ask him for true freedom right now. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, just begin to talk to him right now. We renounce every work of bondage, every work of deception, every work of darkness. Everything that the enemy wants to do to tie us up and bind us up. We renounce it right now. Every power of deception that makes bondage look like freedom. That makes freedom look like bondage. We renounce it. We break free of it right now. Come on, lift your hands. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Open your mouth. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed.